0: Hey, this is Burke, and I swear sometimes, so listener discretion is advised. Hey everybody, if my voice sounds different partway through this episode, it's because I'm probably recording this over the course of two days. There's a lot to cover, and I'm kind of starting this on a day I don't normally start this, so just be aware. And I'm going to give the same disclaimer I gave last time. Um, We are talking about vampires, so just be aware. The subject matter can get kind of dark, so just be aware, and listener discretion is advised. So for this first section, we're going to start with Strahd and kind of his history and how he fits into the um, D&D mythos. Strahd has been in every edition except for 4th edition for Dungeons & Dragons. In 2010, they decided to roll out a board game for The Curse of Strahd. Uh, Raven, I think it was called... Uh, Castle Ravenloft board game and they did announce a Ravenloft 4th edition setting at Gen Con in 2010 but the product was never released. Now the source for this section is actually from the Wikipedia article. When creating Strahd, the Hickman's vampire research started with the image of Bela Lugosi. Yeah I actually had to look up how to pronounce his name and if you're not sure who he is, he was the actor that first played Dracula in the 1931 film. Sorry I'll get back to the Wikipedia article. Before Before they explored older stories, such as Bram Stoker's Dracula, John William Baldari's The Vampire, and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, what the Hickmans found was the romantic vampire from the earliest years of the genre was not just a spouse beater and a supposed killer, the archetype of abuse in the worst kind of destructive codependency. In 2016, Tracy Hickman said, Strahd came directly from the roots of the vampire lore. The origins of the modern vampire spring from a feminine, cautionary tales, warning women away from the Bluebeard archetype. It was essential to understand this in order to properly construct him. You might be asking, what is Bluebeard? Uh, it's basically a tale of a, a wealthy man who has the habit of murdering his wives. There's a whole thing about it, but um, I suggest you actually look it up. It's kind of an interesting topic. All right, let's actually talk about Strahd now. Strahd's parents are Bera Von Zarovich, and his mother is Ravonia Von Zarovich. Her name is very difficult to say. He has a couple siblings, Sergei Von Zarovich and Strum Von Zarovich. He also has a half-sister was also Madden Eva. When Strahd was still an infant, his mother hired a midwife to help out. She hired a woman named Lizaga. If that sounds familiar. That's because she is a person in the Curse of Strahd campaign module. Little did she know, Lizaga actually gave Strahd his magical abilities actually gave him the spark of magic. I'll take this excerpt from the Curse of module. When Strad was still a baby in his crib, Baba Lizaga cast protective spells on him and crept into his nursery on stormy nights to sing magical rhymes to him. She also placed the spark of magic in him, ensuring that he would become a spellcaster. Baba Lizaga's unhealthy attention to the baby Strad did not go unnoticed. After receiving many disturbing reports, Ravonia was forced to banish the midwife from the kingdom. Lazaga never saw Strahd again, but she has successfully stayed alive to witness the triumphs of her beloved boy, who, in her mind, eternally is blessed. Despite the horrors Strahd has wrought, Lazaga still envisions him as a perfect child she has delivered into this world. Strahd is the only thing in her life that matters to her. Now I understand that she's not Strahd and didn't have all that impact on him and later in life. Well, I mean, she kind of did, though, but she is the reason we have the spellcaster Strahd we have today, so it was important to actually talk about who she was. Strahd spent much of his life in the military when he was growing up, and he ended up rising to the rank of military leader of his people, and for 27 years, he fought against the wild tribes of the Turgs to basically secure his ancestral homeland. Unfortunately, Strahd's father died before seeing the end of the war, and... Strahd ended up taking his place. The problem was he needed to do something to crush his enemies because Strahd has gotten older at this point. Strahd is now 40 years old and he also feels like he's squandered his life away with just this constant warlike being he's been. So he seeks out more power to crush his enemies and just end the war see on the march of the final battle strahd did a ritual and he summoned a demon strahd ended up selling his soul for the power to win the battle strahd ultimately won the battle and named the region barovia after his father there also was a castle in the region and he ordered it to be restored he decided to name it after his mother and it was named ravenloft unfortunately strahd had trouble finding his place after the war see the war had made him really cold and he was really worried about the future. So again, Stra was really worried that he ended up wasting his life. So he decided to focused towards the study of magic in order to achieve more power and respect. And to achieve this, he actually invited the best magicians and alchemists to the Ravenloft castle to help teach him. Elminster actually came and visited him as well. We'll talk about Elminster a different day. Anyways, sorry, back to Strahd. Once the castle was completed, he invited his relatives to come live with him. His mother and his brother both accepted, but his mother was killed on the way there because Baba Lysaga actually cursed her. Strahd ended up burying both his mother and his father in the crypts underneath the castle. But Strahd's brother, Sergei, ended up getting to the castle. See, Strahd actually envied Sergei because of his youth and his charm with the ladies, even though he chose a path of priesthood. I believe he's a cleric, actually. Sergei would often go out and help the other villages around the area and Strahd really didn't like that. Strahd believed that Sergei's place was actually in Castle Ravenloft. On one of his trips out of to help the other villages, he met Tatiana. He fell in love with her and ultimately ended up proposing to her. The moment Tatiana stepped into her, his brother's life, Strahd got extremely jealous and he ended up falling in love with Tatiana as well. As the wedding date, approached Strahd got increasingly darker about the whole situation with him and his brother especially since he really loved Tatiana. Strahd ended up looking through spell books and he was trying to find a spell to basically steal Tatiana away from his brother and he couldn't find anything he was looking for and then one day he found a page that was stuck to another in one of the spell books and it was a spell to change the heart's desire. The spell also apparently allowed him to remain youthful, and he decided that he really needed to do this. It hit everything that Strahd actually wanted, because he wanted to be youthful again. He wanted to get back his life, and he also wanted to start his life with this woman. On the day of Sergei's wedding, he presented Sergei with a dagger, and then immediately killed Sergei with the dagger. See, the spell required... Strahd to actually drink the blood of his brother. And he took the dagger and he drank the blood off of the dagger. Strahd ended up kneeling down to his brother and drank the blood from his still warm corpse. I told you this was going to get dark. And Strahd got what he wanted. Youth returned to his body And when he stood up to talk to Tatiana, she ran from him, which is not surprising. I'd run, too, considering I just watched my brother, my husband's brother, slaughter my husband and then drink his blood. Yeah, I'd run, too. See, she ran from him and ended up getting to the balcony. When she turned and looked at him, she saw the monster that he had become. And then she rushed off the side of the, the balcony and fell to her death. Oh, sorry. I forgot to mention something. So the moment Strahd killed his brother, the mists around Barovia sealed it in and it became a domain of dread. See, the people saw Strahd as a tyrant and they hired assassins to come and kill him. And it said when the poison bolts hit Strahd and stopped his heart, he became the first vampire, which that kind of doesn't check out. There's actually vampires before Strahd, maybe the first vampire of Barovia, that kind of fits, but we'll skip over that. See, Strahd now full of fury, because we talked about it last episode where becoming a vampire just elevates your emotions to a certain th- certain degrees. So the fury he was feeling towards his people, he took it out on them and he slaughtered lots and lots of people. And that's the history of Strahd looking back at it and having read Bram Stoker's Dracula. It definitely resembles it quite a bit. There are a lot of differences, but at the same time, it does kind of mirror it in parts. Now I'm actually going to talk a little bit about Strahd's powers and his domain. And after reviewing the new section about him in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, not a lot of his history has changed from what I actually just talked about. See, things get changed from edition to edition just to keep up with how things are nowadays. All right, the section I'm about to read comes from Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, page 68. Strahd's Powers and Domain Strahd is a patient and dramatic mastermind. His statistics are similar to those of a vampire, and his spellcasting prowess is formable. Enabling him to face most threats directly, Strahd ever seeks to escape his boredom and draws his challenges out as long as it entertains him. However, if insulted, the Dark Lord can turn all Barovia against his foes. The Ancient, the Land... Strahd is bound to Barovia and it is bound to him in a way few rulers or dark lords understand as part of his relationship Strahd knows when any creature enters or dies violently within Barovia, and takes personal offense when his agents or the domain's wolves are slain. Strahd can also manifest a variety of dramatic effects, such as causing his voice to be heard on the wind, marking his visage appeared in the clouds, changing the weather, and so forth. He cannot use these effects to aid him in combat, but they make his presence Known throughout the land. Master Vampire. Strahd eagerly plays the parts of the nobleman and the gracious host, but drops these pretenses when they no longer serve him, revealing his megalomania and his monstrous nature. Strahd believes he has no peers and eagerly cultivates servants, particularly Vampire Spawn. He hasn't survived for ages being reckless, though, and he retreats or sacrifices even his favorite agents if necessary. Vistani Sanctuary. The ancient Vistani fortune teller, Madame Eva, makes her home in Barovia. She knows much about Strahd and has occasionally served him as an intermediary between him and various Vistani bands when it serves her own mysterious goals. As part of this arrangement, Strahd avoids harming the Vistani who travel within his lands. Closing the borders. Strahd closes Barovia's borders whenever something that interests him threatens to escape. Surrounding the domain with poisonous mists, those who enter the mist choke and are affected, as detailed the mist section, at the start of this chapter. The long and short about the mists are they're poisonous and they keep people from leaving Barovia and they turn you around and all sorts of things. Strahd's a little bit of a different kind of villain. In a lot of these kind of games and things we play, we get used to bosses that just stay in one place. We'll see Strahd's more like a player character in that he is proactive. He has plans. He takes offense to things that happen in his domain. You fuck around in his castle, you're going to find out what happens when you mess around. The thing is, Strahd's also not stupid and he often will play hit and run with your party and it's not hard for him to get away. See, Strahd's smart enough to draw people away from each other. He'll separate your party and he will either kill them while they're alone or he will turn them onto his side because, you know, we have vampires charm. Also, Strahd's not going to fight you one-on-one. Well, one on your group. Strahd has lots of forces. Basically, this whole domain is full of his forces. All right, I'm going to talk about Strahd's stat block. Now, I'm going to cover this as quickly as I can because, frankly, we're not here to all I'll just talk about numbers, and I feel like it's really boring to listen to. Strahd Von Zarovich, medium, undead, shape changer, lawful evil. His armor class is 16. His hit points are 144 or 17d6 plus 68. His movement speed is 30 feet. Is it 18 strength, 18 Dex, 18 con, 20 intelligence, 15 wisdom? and 18 charisma. A 20 intelligence means he's incredibly intelligent. He's not going to play stupid, and when you're playing the character, you need to play towards his difficulty due to his intelligence. I'm going to skip over the saving throws because that's boring. His damage resistances are necrotic bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage from non-magical attacks. He's got dark vision and a passive perception of a 22, which means it's very hard for your rogue to sneak up on him if they roll below a 20. His languages are, abyssal common draconic elvish giant and infernal he's a challenge rating 15 he has a shape changer ability which is the same as the regular vampire he has legendary resistance three a day he has the misty escape from the regular vampire the vampire regeneration is the same amount of hit points the difference between strahd and the spell casting variety stra uh, Vampire is, Strahd is a lot more powerful. His spellcasting is a ninth level spellcaster. His ability is based off his intelligence, which is spell DC plus 18, plus 10 to hit with spell attacks. And he has the following wizard spells prepared. Cantrips, Mage Hand, Prestidigitation, Ray of Frost. First level, four slots, Comprehend Languages, Fog Cloud, Sleep. Second level, three slots, Detect Thoughts, Gust of Wind, Minor Image. Third level, Animate Dead. Fireball. Non-detection. Fourth level. Three slots. Blight. Greater invisibility. Polymorph. Fifth level. Animate objects. Scrying. He has spider climb. He has his regular vampire weaknesses, which we talked about. He has multi-attack vampire form only. Two attacks, one of which can be a bite attack. Same as a regular vampire. He has the unarmed strike, which is pretty pretty close to the other vampire plus nine to hit. Uh, it also has necrotic damage, which is 46. Uh, he has the grapple effect, which is an escape DC of 18. He has the bite fo- bite attack with a, from the bat form. He has charm. Strahd targets a humanoid. he can see within 30 feet, they have to make a DC 17 wisdom saving throw or be charmed. We already talked about that from the last one, children of the night. And he can s- call the, you know, the wolves, the rats and bats. All right, legendary actions, and it's the same setup. He has the move unarmed strike and bite, which is the same as the regular vampire. But what makes Strahd incredibly dangerous is his spellcasting ability as well as his intelligence. All around, Strahd really doesn't have a whole lot of weaknesses other than his armor classes of sixteen. But again. Strahd is going to have fodder for days. I'm going to go over my final thoughts with Strahd. He's a very fun villain to run in this module. He fits kind of the niche of a early level campaign. I think I believe this runs from three to ten. A villain like Strahd is a great way to challenge a party. And it's also a good way for you as a dungeon master to get used to running your villains in such a manner, especially if they fit this kind of archetype. See, I think the time of having the boss just wait at the end of the dungeon has kind of come to an end, really, when it comes to the proper way to run D&D or tabletop role playing games for that matter. Having the villain be proactive, having the enemies go about things like, I'm sorry, but the king of the goblins isn't going to just sit in the back of his cave as his goblins are getting slaughtered. He's going to be proactive. He's going to tell his people to come at you and If I've learned anything from being a dungeon master as long as I have, is you have to play to the intelligence of the creature. And frankly, having a good villain that is proactive will be remembered by your party later on. And they will talk about, oh, how cool this boss was and Strahd is that villain. Well, I actually finished this episode in just one setting. I was expecting to break this up into two, um, two days to cover it, but I decided to do this a little different. Tomorrow, I'm going to record a side quest episode and we're going to talk about Vampire vampires from folklore. I meant to talk about them last episode, but I just didn't get to it. So I think tomorrow's side quest episode is going to be talking about vampires and folklore. And I think I'm also going to talk about modern day vampires in a setting. I still can't talk about my project that I have coming up. That is soon though. Oh, and I need to talk about the poll. So the poll is complete and dragons won by a landslide. So we will be talking about dragons for the foreseeable future because there is a lot to talk about with dragons. So So, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw up another poll, and this poll will be for this week. We're going to cover the three different types of dragons. Yeah, you're right. I said three. We have more coming with this new book coming out this week. But since I don't have the recent gem dragon information, I am not going to be covering the gem dragons for the first part of this. So, the poll is going to be which type of dragons should I cover for the first bit? Should it be metallics or should it be chromatics? Now, I'm not going to be doing weekly episodes. Or at least I'm hoping not to do weekly episodes for the month of November. So we'll figure that out as time goes on. If you enjoyed this episode, let me know on Twitter at DM Burkhart. You can also find me at my personal Twitter at Burkhart Gaming. I have picked up streaming again on and off on Twitch. You can find that at Burkhart on Twitch. And if you want to support the show, if you could tell a friend, that'd be awesome. You guys are awesome. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. And next episode, we'll be talking about dragons. Hope to see you there and I'll catch you later.